And today's message is maturity in the Lord. I have been touched with some teaching messages. Sometimes you'll see me preach, and other times you'll see me teach. Preaching is that exciting time when I just deliver the Word of God, and I want to give you passion, and I give you the message to go with the passion. Teaching is when I give you the message, and it doesn't have to have the passion because I don't want you to get so excited that you don't hear what I'm saying. That's the difference. Sometimes I just want you to get excited, even if you miss half of what I'm excited about because I'm red-faced and I'm sweating and I'm spitting. I just want you to get the point. Like, remember the baptism in fire message? Remember, at the end of the, the message, what did you know? Baptism of fire. That's just what you do. Get baptized in the fire. Now, today I'm going to give you seven points. So I don't want to get all excited about it and just preach and holler. I want to take my time so that you can just understand it today, absorb it. Last week we talked about who God was, a very teaching message. Today is the same thing. In Luke chapter 8, we're talking right now about a parable that Jesus gave the people. Now this parable is applicable to salvation and those who get saved and what they do with salvation, and some, why they don't ever get saved. But my focus today is not on salvation. It's going to be one phrase in the middle of this parable, and it's found in 8.14, but I want you to hear the whole parable. So start in chapter 8, going on down to verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town to town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Now, to give you this quick explanation, I want everybody just to look up here. They were a farming community in the time of Jesus. Obviously, in Chicago, not too many farmers in the, in the church today. Now, if you've ever been on a farm, you got the concept. If you don't, let's think of a garden, okay? It's pretty simple. You go to your garden, you plant seed, you expect the flower to come up. You don't plant the seed on the concrete and expect it to come up, correct? And you don't plant it in the crack between the concretes and expect it to come up, and you certainly don't plant it among the weeds. You get it? Here's the simple application. Those who are planted on the concrete are those who hear the word of God, but their heart is hard as stone. And the devil comes like the bird or a squirrel and eats that seed right up. These are people who will hear the word of God. The word of God's the seed, by the way. And preachers are the farmer, the sower. These are people who hear it in church, on your job, you know, on TV. They hear it and say, oh, that's not for me. And instead of the word growing root in their heart and then meditating on it and them studying it, they just push it away and instantly the devil comes and takes it. The second illustration is of the crack in the ground. These are people who kind of are wishy-washy. Maybe they come to church for their family. Maybe they're going through a hard time. And they'll say, well, I'll give this Jesus thing a try. They don't have a lot of soil, a lot of depth. They do it for convenience. And like you see a plant growing in shallow soil, when the sun comes out, it gets beat up by the sun and the weather, and it eventually dies. That's talking about people who just come to God for the bless me's, just come to God because their family wants some parents bringing children. Oh, I have to come, Mom, so I guess I'll pray while I'm here. And what happens over time, they don't bear any fruit, they wither and die, and they resent God. But parents keep bringing your kids to church, amen? Husbands and wives come, and it's okay to come even though they don't like to come. Bring them anyway. But the point is, for their own salvation, it doesn't grow. The third one is where I want to focus on. It's where Jesus now gives the interpretation. I have already given verses 11 to 13, but go to verse 14 and you'll hear it for where I want to talk today. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not 
mature. Everybody say they do not mature. You see, that's what I want to talk about. Maturity in the Lord. Today's message is about maturity. You see, the one that goes among the weeds actually starts to grow a little bit. They actually start to do good things. Because really the soil between where the weed is and where the flower is, it's not much different if you take out the weed. The soil can be good if you take out the weed. Does everybody understand that? When you see my house today, there's landscaping. There's a garden in front there. And he's actually trusted me to take care of it. Uh, Boy, does he not know, right? I think I've already killed two plants already, not watering them, right? So I'm responsible for this in some way or another. He has a landscaper, but I'm supposed to go out there and pick weeds. And, you know, weeds picking is not fun. But if you go out there, you pick the weed, the ground is good. You can plant another, you know, little flower or whatever you want to plant there. But you see, what happens is if you don't pick those weeds, the weeds grow and take over the good soil. You see, the lesson here is this. Pick the weeds out of your garden every day and keep your heart pure. Because your ground is like that soil. Your heart is like that soil. And your heart can become hard and the devil can take the word. Your heart can become shallow and you can be sifted away in times of persecution. And the most trickiest of them all is your heart can have weeds and eventually choke out what God is doing. Now, what is the solution? Just read the last one. Verse 15. But the seed that fell on good soil stands for those with a noble, everybody say noble, a noble and good heart who hear the word, everybody say retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Everybody say persevering. Wow, so what's the difference between the one with the weeds and the one with the good soil and the crop? is the one with the weeds does not persevere. And where do they start to fall to temptation? Don't you love the Bible? Everybody says it's tight, but it's right. These three things the Bible tells you 2,000 years ago are the same three things I will testify to you today as a pastor. I have dealt with it over and over and over again. This is what people backslide over, honey. Listen. Hello, Armana, come on, Vien, come on. Come to me, baby. Tu sabe. You know what I'm talking about, eh? Right here. I don't know if I'm saying any of that right, but here's the point. Life's worries. Number one, everybody say life's worries. You will stop coming to church quicker than lickety split if you start worrying about life. You say, well, pastor, shouldn't that bring me closer to God? No. When you start worrying, you take your life in your own hand and church becomes an annoyance. And then God's not moving fast enough. Come on, God. You you know, you're supposed to be doing this, this, and that. And you're not really doing that. And I'm giving my tithes and you're supposed to be blessing me here. And you're not doing that. And this is supposed to be changed. And I'm just so worried about it. I'm not even coming anymore. Life's worries. The second thing is riches. Everybody say riches. You see, people love money. The love of money is the root to all sorts of evil. People want to go spend their money at Great America. No time for church. I'm glad that this is not a boating community because I know when I grew up in Indiana, half the church would be missing every week because guess where they were going? To the lake to get on their boat. You know, and I'm sure there's excuses today why there's not everybody here. And I'm not saying it's wrong to take a vacation. But, you know, in America, we have a way of lavishing ourselves, even to the point of some gluttony. Come on. Even to the point where we do a little bit too much spending on our credit card, getting a little bit more than we can handle. And the Bible says that that will take you from God. Just your love of money. you got to work more. You don't have time for church. You don't have time for your family. You don't like giving in the offering. It's not a passionate thing for you to do to serve. You know, church is serving a lot. And you'll think to yourself, well, I'm not getting paid to do this. I don't have to come to, to the Carrasco small group. I'm not getting paid. Come on. You see, and, and it's all about you. But you'll go to your job. You'll go work there for 40, 50 hours. And, oh, they ask you for overtime. Who's the first one signing up? Come on. Oh, but Fridays belong to me. I'm going to talk to some adults here right now. Come on. You see, you say, well, I'm not, you know, doing that because I love money. But it all goes back down to you spoiling yourself. And sometimes we spoil ourselves just a little too much. Can you say amen? If you say, oh, me, we still love you. Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. Or the last one the Bible says, pleasures. And we just can stay here all day long. But I got a whole message to preach. The pleasure of having sex outside of marriage. 
I'll tell you what, if I, I, when I stopped taking database entries, this was your name and address when you were a visitor, when I stopped doing that, we had close to 1,000 people in our database. That means 1,000 people had visited Metro Praise the last four and a half years, filled out a card. Most of them said on the comments, we had a great time here. After a while, I just got tired of sending out the letters and the stamps and, and, and doing the phone calls with people who didn't want to come back. So I just said this, when they come to the church, give them our information, and then personally, leaders, you get their phone numbers. You know why? Because I'm tired of trying to convince people who love this world more than they love God to come back to church. You know what? You're not a dummy, and you're not retarded, and you're okay. You know how to get water when you're thirsty. You know how to eat when you're hungry. Amen. You know how to get a little something-something when you got the little feeling down there. Come on, fellas. You know how to make it happen, drive out at 12 o'clock at night for a little booty call. Hello? We weren't all born saved here. You know what I'm talking about. But now we don't know how to come to church. Now we don't know how to read our Bible. You see, you'll do something for a pleasure that you won't even do for God sometimes when you're a sinner. You know what it's like. And the Bible says these things, hold on, can even come back into your life. Because if you're not careful, if you're not looking at your garden, your heart, you can find yourself worrying. You can find yourself loving and, 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 and pleasures and, and spoiling yourself. And you can love just doing sinful things because it feels so good. Everybody say, grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. You see, the problem with the thorn and the problem with the weeds is that that little plant can never mature. And it never produces a fruit. I want to give you today seven marks of a mature Christian. I want to give you the tools from the Word of God, not my Word, but the Word of God today so that you can mature, so that you can grow up in the things of the Lord, so that you can be the fruitful vine that perseveres and retains the Word of God and produces a crop. Somebody say, I want to grow up. Let's give you the first one. Be teachable. Everybody say teachable. Thank you. Turn with me to Ephesians 4.13. Now, don't get quiet just because I'm not preaching. Help me teach now, somebody. Amen. Ephesians 4.13, you got to be teachable. Pastor, I don't need to know nothing. You know, people won't say it like that, but they'll act like that. Do you know that I've had people come to this church, only been saved a good six weeks, and they want to tell me how to pastor? Do you know that? It actually happens. I actually understand now a little bit about doctors and pilots and all these. You know, you've ever been on a plane, people complain about the pilot. You know, it's, it's turbulence. Man, I wish that pilot knew how to fly, you know. Or you ever been in the doctor's office, you come, that doctor don't know what he's talking about. You ever done that or heard somebody say that? I understand the, what those guys go through now. Because I have people come into our church and try to tell me what to do. Now, I'm not saying I'm a know-it-all. I'm very teachable. I apply this lesson to myself. I just want to help everybody out here. It's not your job to teach me, amen? When you get the microphone, it's your turn. And by the way, David Carrasco is going to be getting the microphone at the end of the month, so give it up for David Carrasco. I'll let him teach me the Word of God, praise the Lord. But it's my turn right now. If you're there in Ephesians 4, 13, say, I'm there. The principle that we're learning here is about the fivefold ministry and why God gave them to the church. Just back up to verse 11, and you can see it in its context. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Okay, so this is called the fivefold ministry. Sometimes I look at the young people and I say, You don't want the fivefold ministry, baby. You better sit down. You better sit down. Robert, you remember the fivefold ministry. I had to put it on you a little bit when you stayed with me. I'm just kidding. But listen, the fivefold ministry, you see it on your hand. Watch it right here. The apostles like the thumb. The apostles like the thumb because he says yes or no to everything that happens in the church. I'm an apostle to this church because I started it and I oversee the churches of Indian Africa. So I'm giving the thumbs up or thumbs down. Y'all with me? The prophet is like the finger. If you were with Glenn, he said this. I'm just repeating his thing. The, the prophet's like the finger because the prophet will point at you and tell you what you need to do. Thus says the Lord, get right with God, do the right thing. That's the prophet coming out. 
The, the finger right here, that's the longest finger, which I know this because I've said it wrong twice in weddings. It's not the, the wedding finger, the, the, the wedding band finger. If you guys remember, I've said that was the longest. I do know. The middle finger is the longest, inside joke. The middle finger is the longest, and that is the evangelistic finger. And I'm not going to give it to you right now. But if you put it like this, it's the first finger that touches everything. So the evangelist goes out and touches the community before anybody else does. Everybody say evangelist. This one right here is the wedding finger, the one we put the covenant on. This is the pastor because he's married to the church, and he shepherds the church, and he loves the church, and he pastors the people. Amen? And then this right here is the teacher, and I love the way Glenn did it, and I won't do it exactly the same way, but the teacher helps you clean out your ears so you can learn better. Amen? That's what the teacher does. So these are the fivefold ministry, an easy way to remember. Now, the Bible says it's Jesus who gave these to the church. Now look at verse 12. To prepare God's people for works of service. Uh-oh. See, our job is not just to get paid and look good and write books. Hello. Our job is to prepare you to work for the Lord. You see, that's my job. Some of you might come and say, well, I don't see pastor cleaning up the church. Well, I don't see pastor running the youth group. Well, I don't see pastor running the soundboard. That's not my job. My job is to get y'all to work. Amen. That's a good job, right? We'll try it sometime. Those who are already pastoring, you know it's actually harder. than. Uh, just give me a mop, baby. That's a lot easier, okay? I'd rather clean the toilet than being in charge sometimes, okay? But praise God, he gives me grace. Amen. So the job is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. See, we're the body of Christ. Churches all over the world, the body of Christ. Until we all reach unity in the faith. So we're all supposed to come to the same faith of who God is and the knowledge of the Son of God. Know Him, understand Him, and look at this part right here. And become what? Say it like you're up this morning. And become mature, attaining the full, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the first principle is teachable. Everybody say teachable. If you want to grow up, this is from the oldest to the youngest here, you've got to be teachable. You've got to know your place in the church and to receive teaching. Thank you for coming this morning, receiving teaching. Everybody that's in the discipleship, thank you. But don't get out of that habit. You know, I'm getting some gray hairs here, Okay. I'm getting a little bit older. Some here are still older than me. But I'm telling you what, even as stubborn as I get, as I'm getting older, I still got to remain teachable. As much as it's my house and my rules, and how many know a man needs to do that? Doesn't mean you, 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 you pound the wife down, but the man needs to say, it's my house, my rules. Amen? All the men said amen. But how many know my wife can still teach me something? Come on, somebody. Come on, where are the women at? The women can still teach a thing or two. I tried to put up this picture. I tried to put up this, uh, what do you call this? This mirror. You'll see it in our bedroom. And uh, I scratched up the whole wall because my wife told me to measure the nails first. You know, you got to measure, put this one here. And I just said, no, let's just put it up there. I put two extra holes in the wall. I scraped it all against the wall. And then I sat it down and she did it like in 30 seconds. Just pray for me. Amen. Somebody say teachable. I'm not going to spend a lot on these time on these points, but that's just simple enough for everybody to understand. If you want to grow up in the Lord, you've got to understand you don't know everything. It starts with the church here. We're teaching you. And trust me, you get to go out and teach your friends, okay? You're not the only one here being just taught. You get to go out and teach others. But you can never lose the principle that I need to be taught. Amen? Praise God. Now let's turn to the second point. It is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. And it is consistent. Everybody say consistent. Oh, Lord, if I had a nickel for every time somebody came to the church and said, Pastor, I'm going to make this my church if I just had a nickel. Every time Ricky had somebody said, Ricky, I'm going to do the 101 with you. We would be a rich church. Can you say amen? I said, can you say amen? I am telling you, consistency in the body of Christ is a rare commodity. And all of my leaders said amen. The Bible says a faithful man few can find. 
It says before that many will proclaim their faithfulness, but a faithful man few can find. Hebrews 5.14 gives a challenge to every newbie in here or for every person that has new, is new to our church but has been in the Christian faith for a while, a challenge. You have to be consistent. Hebrews 5.14 says this. We'll look at verse uh, 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And I have seen that so many times. Verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You see, it's pretty easy the first week after you're saved to say, smoking, doing drugs, evil, going to church, good. Okay, that, that's pretty easy. But after about six months, gossiping Sally talks to you. Lazy Eddie wants you to hang out with him. You see, now it's getting a little bit hard to decide good from evil. Budget gets tight. Tithe is a little bit of a stretch. Come on. Now it's a little bit hard to try to understand good from evil. But you know what? You know how you become mature? Everyone look up at me, please. How you and I become mature is when we constantly and consistently train ourselves to distinguish good from evil. I just had a gentleman tell me, he said, I'm mature in the Lord. I don't need a mentor or a pastor. I'm mature in the Lord. I said, brother, just six months ago you were backslidden. (laughs) I said, how in the world do you think you're mature in the Lord? I said, my baby right now is six months. Can that baby eat solid food? I read him this scripture, and I said, brother, you still need milk. And specifically, you can breastfeed for quite some time, amen? And that's okay to say it in church, but some still need to be on the teat of the pastor. Hello? Sometimes you got to get on the teat and some got to get off the teat, but it's okay because the pastor's here to give the milk. Well, you can call me the cow if you want, but I prefer the teat, okay? The milk's got to come from somewhere. Just follow the illustration. So... This gentleman said, well, I don't need the milk. I said, well, how consistent have you been? Well, well, the last three months I've I've been doing great. Come on. In the natural, we don't even give a steak to a one year old. You mothers here, you know, two and three years old. That's even when they can eat solid foods like this. You know what God is looking for? Be consistent for a year. Be consistent for two years. Be consistent for three years. Amen. And then we'll give you a place in the church. Then you can be a teacher to other people. But until then, just take your milk, eat your Gerber, and be okay. And stop pooping in the panties. And let us potty train you at least, okay? Because it's Thinks a little in here, okay? And live for God, amen? Praise God. An infant can still do something, right? A toddler can do something, right? Just grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. We're not looking for perfect people. We're just looking for consistent people. We're looking for people that consistently come early, consistently come uh, stay late, consistently keep their word to their leaders and their ministries, whatever ministry they're in, and you will mature, and it will be obvious, and you won't have that attitude anymore, and you won't want to quit every time something bad happens in your life because you've grown up a little. Amen? And you don't throw a temper tantrum when it doesn't go your way. One of the worst ways to prove a point to a pastor, and by the way, I'm getting free today, amen? This message the Lord just said, Joe, preach it to yourself, okay? This is for you, son. I'm just getting free in the Lord, free in the Lord. Because I'm saying it all today, praise God. The worst way to prove that you're mature is not to throw a temp, uh, is to throw a temper tantrum. So if you're upset with me because we've done something or the church has done something, you throwing a temper tantrum proves nothing but that you're a spiritual baby. Amen? If you're really so right, be mature, be consistent, keep giving your tithes, don't withhold them like you're withholding your taxes because you don't like Obama or something. Be a good child of God and we'll hear from the Lord how we need to change as pastors. Amen?
Oh, praise the Lord. This is a lot of uh, message to the house today. Praise God. Everybody say consistent. Number two, very similar, persevere. But it's going to be a different context. So turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 4. Grow up, become mature. Everyone here is capable of doing it, and everyone here is at a different place. If you want to look at my spiritual life, I've been serving the Lord for 14 years. I guess I'm just a teenager. Just just radical for Jesus. And I'll become older one day, okay? A lot of people want me to become an old pastor. You don't look like the pastor. Okay, one day I'll look like that old, crusty old guy, okay? But let me enjoy the days of my youth serving the Lord, amen? I'm sorry I'm not going down to, you, you know, Cocoa Beach and wasting my life, okay? I decided at a, as a young age to become a pastor. Is that okay with everybody, amen? You're just going to go home and say, wow, pastor had a lot on his mind today. I had no idea. But we know now. Tiptoe, tiptoe. It's okay. I still love everybody. James 1, 4. I'm just preaching to the church. This is good stuff. Amen? James 1, 4 says this. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, consistency is knowing the difference between good and bad and just continuing to do that. Perseverance here is what it's talking about. It's not giving up when the going gets tough. There are times in a Christian's life where things will not make sense. Everyone here has had those days. I've told you mine a hundred times. The day my sister died, one of the hardest days of my life. My sister, my other sister became more of an alcoholic. I persevered. There's days like that. There's landmarks in your life. Every one of you has them. It was the day somebody died in your family. Somebody got sick. Somebody hurt you. Something happened. And when you're a Christian, sometimes those things get exposed and they bring weakness and they make you feel like quitting is the best option. And I'm telling you, just hold on. It's going to be okay. If you just hold on, God will get you through. You might say, Pastor, I feel like screaming. Well, go ahead and scream. God can handle you screaming. Amen? God is not afraid of you laying it out the way it is. Some of you say, well, I just feel like crying. Cry. It's okay. Some of you say, I'm angry. Hit something, not somebody. Okay? But go forward. Don't quit. I I can't tell you how many times I've seen people quit on the brink of a miracle. On the brink of a miracle. Let me just give you a couple examples. There was a young person that was in our youth group. And at one time, he felt he was the only one. And nobody was serving the Lord. And it was just him. And he really thought he was the only teenager on the planet that actually raised his hands and spoke in tongues. And you know what? He quit coming to church because everybody made fun of him. And he just got to the point, and he said to himself, I am a, I'm a lame, nobody likes me, I'm dumb, nobody's doing this. And he quit. And you know what happened? The next three months, God brought that youth group to 50 people, and he missed it all. You see, he was right there, and I always thought to myself, and by the way, it's Jeffrey, and he, he got back right with the Lord, and by God's grace, he'll come here to our Bible college. Some of you heard his testimony, and I always thought to myself, man, if that guy would have just stuck in there, he would have saw Joe Miles come, and he would have saw Kedra come, and he would have saw all of these wonderful youth, and he would have had a great bunch of friends, but he just quit because none of his friends were serving the Lord. And I can tell you testimonies about my friends in Bible college. You know, we were single, and many of us, you've heard this, we're bachelors to the rapture, okay? And I remember, and I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again in this context. They went out to the beach on a weekend. They went to Alabama, and you know what? They got so desperate for their wife that they fornicated. They had sex outside of marriage, and they didn't know that God had that same person for them. But if they just would have waited six months until the school year was done, they could have dated. They could have got married and they could have did it right they didn't have to throw their entire future away you see if you don't quit god will bless you it's the same thing on a job you know what they're telling everybody in the economy right now i'm not the you know the sharpest tool in the shed but i can watch fox news and you know what they're telling everybody they're telling all the guys with degrees and all the the big shots just humble yourself take a lower job put your head down work hard and you'll plow through this economy and be okay the worst thing you want to do is get depressed start thinking that you're nothing that you can't do it get down on yourself get down on your family just get a job sweep the school if you have to as a janitor pick up garbage 
garbage. They say that's increasing. And get a job and you'll be okay. Two years from now, you can go back to the business world. You can go back to what you love. Amen? Just don't give up. Everybody say amen. Number one, teachable. Two, consistent. Three, persevere. Number four, everybody say love the word. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Love the Word of God. Thank you for loving worship in this church. And that's why a lot of times we'll worship for a long time, but we'll never diminish the Word. Don't be in a hurry with the Word. We used to give hours to the bars, and you know you were sitting there for a while. Come on. Those of us here that were too young to really spend a lot of time in bars, we gave hours to house parties, and we would spend time at our friend's house. Man, when I grew up as a young person, all these teenagers, that's why I love your heart. You sometimes stay longer than anybody else. I would go to the pool for 12 hours a day. Believe it or not, I was a skinny little thing. I was like a little dolphin. I could just do all types of little tricks in the water. I, I always had a little tan. I had my little red band. That meant I could go without my mom. And I would go there to sun up to sundown. But you know what? When my mom brought me to church, it was like, it was like I had ants in my pants. I was like, Mom, when are we leaving? When are we leaving, Mom? When are we down? Come on, Mom. Come on. You know, I, could, I couldn't even sit down. And my mom would smack me and she would say, you can watch movies for three hours. You can go to the pool for 12 hours. You can sit here in church. And I just want to say that principle to everybody. Amen. Love the Word of God. Love what's going on here. Small groups are not a burden, by the way. They're fun things to do. We didn't just say, let's make up more stuff for you to do, okay? That's why we don't have a midweek service. Sometimes people say, Joe, why don't you have a midweek service? Because we want so many activities going on during the week with you and your family that you can enjoy Jesus, okay? So when you're a part of those activities, don't come looking at the clock. Come looking at Jesus receiving the Word. Amen? Praise God. First Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn babes, crave spiritual, uh, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Okay, so if you're a, a newborn babe, crave it right now. And then if you're already on your way to maturing, some of us who have been saved for a while, still have that craving like a newborn babe. How many know adults can still drink milk? Dip your Oreo in it, hot chocolate, however you like it. I love milk. My wife loves milk. Some milk drinkers in the back there. Guess what? Always love the Word of God like that. Never grow up and become sister or brother big britches where you think you know everything. When I hear people talk to me and they think they know everything, it shows me really how little they know. Because the people that I know that know the most, like people like Dr. Excuse me, like Dr. Miller, professors, are always the first one to say, man, I don't know hardly anything. And you're sitting there looking at them going, man, if you don't hardly know anything, then what do I know? I know half of hardly of anything. Come on, and you know that. People you love to be around are the humble people. They're not the ones who tote around like a peacock on the job. They're the ones that make it look easy, help others, and they're always willing to be teachable and to be trained and to be given new information. The Word of God should always be that way. Joe, have you read the Bible? Yes, I've read it four or five times all the way through, and I've probably read the New Testament about a hundred times and various Old Testament books about that many. Okay, but you know what? Every day I do my devotions and I learn something. So you should have no excuse. And the people I know have been serving the Lord, they're still learning something. So crave it. Everybody say crave it. So that you will grow up and mature. Remember, we don't want those weeds to take us over. Number five, everybody say faith and love. Please turn with me to second, or rather Colossians 2.19. Faith and love. Faith and love. Which, by the way, is not Colossians uh, 2.19. Lord, help me find where faith... Oh, here we go. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul, once again, giving us the tools to grow... Says in Second Thessalonians one three, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. 
So you know what makes me happy as a pastor, as a leader in this church, is when I see you growing in faith and love. What will mature you as you grow in faith and love? Simply, what is faith? It's taking God at his word. You're trusting him. You're going through those situations, and you're saying, I know God has a way for me. You may be sick in your body, but I know God's going to take care of me. You may be going through financial troubles. I know God's going to provide for me. You may be going to wait to Bible college. You may be crying like we're crying, but you have faith. God's going to meet you there. Amen? It's not going to be the same, but he's going to meet you there. Just remember, this is the best. Okay, but you know it in Adolfo. You know, it's not going to be the same, but you have faith that God's going to bring you double for your trouble. Amen? He's going to bring you triple, quadruple for these wonderful seeds we're sowing. Right? Amen? And so what we need to grow is faith. Trusting God at His Word. And what do we need to grow in? Our love for one another. Look at your neighbor and say, do you love me more now than when I first sat down next to you? <laughs> is it growing? How much is it growing? Come on, Nick. you got to let her know it's growing, man. Just be romantic right now, Nick. I know you can do it, baby. I can hear you saying in that deep voice, baby. Okay. I'm going to help him. I'm going to help him. I want to teach you, man. We're going, Ishmael and Ricky, we're going to teach him how to be a Casanova. All right? Va, 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 boom. Listen to it, how it says this in the second Thessalonians. And love everyone, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. I should love Ishmael more today than I did before. If I'm feeling he's getting more on my nerves and there's a problem in the relationship, if we're not loving each other more, then there's something stopping the growing. And that growth is uh, that, that, that roadblock is called a weed. And that needs to come out. Otherwise, we become bitter. And everybody say bitterness is the bait of Satan. And say it one more time. Bitterness is the bait of Satan. I'm telling you what, when we go fishing for shark, we take the bloodiest mullet we can, and we catch big old sharks. I'm a shark fisherman going to New Orleans, and I hopefully will come back with some pictures of sharks, so be uh, uh, be ready to ask me next week. you got to know the bait to catch the type of fish you want. I know what sharks like. Listen, the devil knows you're not going to worship the Jesus of Puerto Rico. He knows you're not going to get 666 on your head. He knows you're probably not going to go down to Belmont and Clark, sell your body for $5 tricks and homosexual transvestite love. Okay? That's probably not going to happen. But what he knows he can do is put out a little bitterness. So-and-so didn't look at me right today. Did you see the way they looked at me? Why are they just not looking at me right? You know what? Every time I go to that church, that's the way they look at me. Wow. And then he'll just start telling you. And you think it's you talking, but it's the devil. And it'll happen on your job. And by the way, if it's a mess here, it's because you're a messy person. And messy people cause messes. I learned that a long time ago. Because I used to blame myself. God, why is there so many messes in the church? And God said, hey, they're messy. And messy people cause messes. I remember one time, believe it or not, I couldn't even believe this. My friend was here preaching the Word of God. And he uh, was preaching. And a woman got saved. And she confessed that she was a stripper. Okay, that's you don't know who you're sitting next to. That's why you got to keep loving them more and more. Amen. Because we're helping each other change to be like Christ. Right. And so she confessed she was a stripper. I mean, it was in front of the whole church. It was powerful. And then we take up an offering for the preacher. Okay, some of you were there at this time. The preacher says, I just told her to leave her job. I want her to leave her job. And God, God told her to do that, obviously. He says, but I know she doesn't have any money. God told me since I told her to leave her job to help her out, I'm giving the whole offering to her. I have never seen that. The pastor said, give it all to her. So I got people writing checks to Metro Praise for this man, and everybody was all excited. So I wrote the check to her, and I want to tell you what. You know what happened? That next week, she came to church, and my wife and I did not say hi to her. We broke the cardinal rule, okay? We didn't say hi to her. And she left out the church and never came back and gossiped about us and got bitter. And one of our leaders had to rebuke her and then couldn't even be friends with her anymore. And it was all because my wife and I did not say hi to her. 
You think it's crazy? I'm telling you. That's for real, for real. I'm telling you. This woman had the greatest display of grace and love in our church. We loved on her. We, we, we would take her just as she was. But because we didn't say hi to her, the devil put out that little bit of bitterness. And then when she tried to tell somebody about it, they didn't want to hear her gossip. And she got angry with them. And like I said, it caused a whole mess. And what was it? The bait of Satan. Somebody say, grow in faith and love. You see, if you're growing in that, you can say, man, pastor was just doing something else. Oh, you know what, Griselda, you know what? She might have got stuck in traffic, and now she's just running a little fast. You know what, pastors and leaders and job bosses, everybody's people too, you know that? You don't know if my dog died today. You don't know what makes me on edge. You don't know what makes the small group leader do what he does or she does. You know what, if you ever get offended by somebody, you know what the Bible says? Forgive them. Now, I'm telling you, if you can't really do that easily, then try to work it out with them. But chances are, chances are, nine out of ten, it's your problem. I'm telling you, I've dealt with offenses. I've offended, sure, a lot of people, okay? But I know offenses. I'm telling you this. Most of the time, it's our own fault when we're getting offended. Because if we just let it go, let God take control, everything's okay. Everybody say, grow in love. Okay, now moving on to number six, turn with me to Colossians. This is the one, chapter one, verse 10, in bearing fruit. Everybody say bearing fruit. Oh, y'all bearing fruit. Come on, say it like you're excited. Bearing fruit. Thank you, congregation. Colossians 1.10. I think everything except for Peter and James, everything has come from Paul today. Paul has a lot to say about maturity, and no wonder, because he started the most churches. He knew how to pastor his people. Colossians 1.10 says this, And we pray this in order, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and may please Him in every way, bearing what? Come on, say it again. Bearing fruit, thank you, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Do you know that one of the things that will mature you is when you bear fruit in your life? You say, Pastor, how do I bear fruit? The more you know God, the more you'll bear fruit. If you come over today, I'm going to give you a special treat. I have videos of when I first preached. I weighed about a buck fifty. was pretty good looking. No, I had my hair. This is what I look like. I look like a mafia guy. I have my hair slicked back. I'm wearing like a guido, whatever you call it, guido suit. What? Guido? Guido, like a Guido suit, hair slicked back, in jeans. So I got jeans on with a sport jacket, and I'm preaching. Listen, this is, this is so funny. I was born and raised in the Midwest, never spent more than a week in the South except on vacation with my family, and I am preaching with a southern accent. I have no idea. Who are you? I can just imagine people watching this going, you're a mafia guy that's preaching with a southern accent. What are you doing? But you know what my passion was? To bear fruit for Jesus Christ. Why did God take that crazy, confused kid at 18 years old and let him be your pastor today? Because I say, God, just use me any way you want. I don't care. Just use me. And this guy who had been mentoring me was, you know, it makes a little sense now, a southern preacher from Kentucky. And he told me he wanted me to preach. And so when I heard him, if you come over, you'll hear, amen, amen, preach it. I just turned into him. And I was a southern preacher, by golly, looking like the mafia. But why did God bless it? Why at the end of the day did God touch, you know, nudge the angel and go, look at my boy. Isn't he funny? Oh, look at him. He's going for me. You know why God continued to let me win souls, become a pastor? is because I wanted to bear fruit. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to go through the goofy stages of maturity to bear fruit, the adolescent stages? Yes, you're going to become a leader. You may be praying for somebody and do something wrong. You may do something in discipleship, say the wrong thing. I remember one time somebody was evangelizing. They met somebody that was gay. Instead of telling them to repent and become straight and live for God, they started counseling them on how to live a gay Christian lifestyle. And when they came back to the church, they said, I've got to testify. I've got to testify. I met a gay person, a gay Christian, that didn't know that they could be a Christian and gay, and be gay, and I encouraged them that they could be, and I'm now helping them come out of the closet to their parents. How many know that day at the pastor needed to take that person aside and teach them a little bit, okay? 
That really wasn't a testimony we were looking for, brother. Let me, let me help you with that a little bit. You see, when you're growing in the ministry, those types of things happen. One time my friend was going to preach at a school assembly. He thought he was a big shot. It was his first time, a thousand teenagers, all packed out in the gym. He is so excited. He's in the lunchroom. He is slapping all the jocks high five. He's coming to the cool people, hugging the nerdy people. He's telling everybody he loves them. And he's going to the bathroom and he walks right in and he sees he's in the ladies' bathroom. There he is. And as he starts to back his way out, he realizes I'm about ready to preach to a thousand of these students. And as he gets up to start to preach, he can hear everybody laughing because those girls, you know how quickly that can come from the bathroom to the whole world. You know, girls, you got those secret communication devices in there, in the purse and the shoe and in the wall and all that. Everybody was laughing. And so here my friend in his first day of preaching at a school is now that silly guy who walked into the girl's bathroom. But has he continued preaching in schools and bearing fruit? Absolutely. You know, I heard this a long time ago, and I believe it. I would rather have wildfire than no fire. You see, if you're going to grow up in Christ, you're going to make mistakes. But what's going to come from that is fruit. Adolfo has borne fruit in the youth ministry. Can everybody say amen? But how many know he didn't come to me perfect? Amen. I had to work on him a little bit. We still pruning him just a little. (laughs) But you know the good part about Adolfo, and I'm using him as an example, is that he was always teachable. And that's why today in the example of him sending Diana and Lily is because he's born fruit out of his knowledge for God. Amen. And everybody here can do what Adolfo has done, the other leaders have done, if you just remain, as it says, living a life worthy of God, pleasing Him in every way. And everybody said amen. Would you stand up with me, please, for our last point? Write it down if you want to as you're standing. To grow in grace. 2 Peter 3.18, I think is a fitting scripture to end on, the seventh point of maturity, to grow in grace. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We've already tapped on the growing in knowledge part. I want to tap on this growing in grace. Do you know how you're maturing is when you're growing in grace and how you treat yourself when you sin and how you treat others when you sin, when they sin. When you're first saved and you sin, you tend to condemn yourself very quickly. How many know what I'm talking about? You're trying your best, you sin, and that devil just brings condemnation like a club over your head. And he just tells you, you'll never do it. You're not going to make it. You're dumb. You're retarded. Everybody else makes it look easy. You're never going to live for God. Listen to me. That's not your fault. That's just a sign of immaturity. It's okay. You know, babies, they say cry, and they don't even know why they're crying. I'm learning that. My baby will be laughing, and all of a sudden, you know, crying. And then I'll start tapping her and loving her, and she'll go right back to laughing. You know, when you're developing the psyche, your, your psychological profile of yourself as a Christian, and you're new, you don't understand everything yet, and that's okay. But a sign of maturity is that you grow in grace. It doesn't mean that you just say, I'm comfortable with sin. I'll just sin whenever I know I'm okay. When you see somebody like that, they're not growing in grace either, because grace is also the power for your hour of need not to sin. Ben, would you just come as I'm finishing up here? But when you're growing in grace, you know what the balance looks like? You've sinned, and you say, God, I've sinned. I'm brokenhearted about my sin. You you come to the Lord with tears, but you know how you get up? You get up saying, I know I'm forgiven. You grow in that. Do you know that I'm 14 years as a Christian, and I will still at times doubt if I can be forgiven? And I don't murder anybody. I'm just saying I've done some dumb things. And sometimes I'm telling you, this is how I got to talk to myself when I'm praying to the Lord to help me to pray. I'll say, Lord, do you still forgive pastors when they sin? Do you still forgive us? Because I know I'm supposed to know better. I know I'm supposed to be really good at this. But I just sinned. Do you still forgive pastors even when we sin? When I first started this church, I was dealing with a lot of just sadness at leaving the church I was at, starting a new church, not a lot of people. 
And I remember God telling me to go minister on Belmont and Clark. And one of the reasons why was because he wanted me to grow in grace. So every time I preached, seriously, to the transvestite person flaming as a flame in homosexuality, and I would look at them and say, Jesus Christ can change you. I would go home from that experience and God would say, I can still change you. I can still help you. You remember what you told that person? I can still do it for you. I grew literally in grace by that understanding that God still forgives me, even though I'm supposed to know better, but he forgives me. That's a sign of maturity. Here's another sign of maturity. When people sin, you can forgive. Remember Peter, he wanted to cut off every he wanted to cut off the ear and kill everybody. And Jesus says, You don't know what spirit you're of. He says, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know when you're ready just to cut everybody down when they're sinning? It's when you don't understand grace. You see, sometimes people look at a church like ourselves and they see the strict discipline that we'll apply to people when they sin and how we restore people. And they'll say, these people aren't gracious. No, as a matter of fact, we're the most gracious. Let me give you an example. I know churches that when you sin, they'll just ignore you. They'll ignore you. They won't give you restoration. They won't give you a lesson. It's just ignore you. That's terrible. Would you like to come to a church where we just ignore you? How about a big church and we ignore you? Would you feel better than sometimes people say, why is your church in the storefront? Okay, would you want me to have the church that God wants me to have or do you want me to have a big church where I ignore you? I can only pastor so many people right now. Our leaders can only pastor so many. That's why God keeps us and grows us the way He does. But when we discipline people... Those who are in this congregation have been around us. You know what they've always noticed? is we're the most gracious. We've had people leave this church, go on the Internet to hundreds of people and tell, us how, tell people how terrible we are. And some of you remember that letter spread everywhere. Do you know that that same person was forgiven, let into this church, and was here a couple weeks ago? Because we forgive. We forgive. You know what that's a sign of? It's a sign of maturity. And it's a sign of maturity when the people who have hurt you the most, you can say, I forgive. Now, forgiveness never gives permission for what they did to happen again, nor does it give acceptance. When you say, I forgive the child, the molester who molested me as a child, the one who abused me, you'll never say that that's good. That sin is why there's a hell. Okay, let's just be real about that. But what you're saying is, I'm growing up so much in this grace thing that I understand that I gotta give it to others. Even though they do the most hideous things, I gotta give it to them. Why? Because Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, you grow in grace. Jesus was the most mature, obviously. And the Bible says that when you grow in that grace, you will give glory to God. Can we all make a commitment today to grow in these seven things? If you believe it when I say each one of them, say amen. Do you want to be teachable? Do you want to be consistent? Do you want to persevere? Do you want to grow in faith and love? Do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to hunger for the Word? And do you want to grow in grace? Can you bless the Lord for maturity today? We receive it today, Lord. Let's just raise up our hands and say, God, grow us in the areas I need it most. Right now, come on, just pray that prayer to God. God, grow me in the areas I need most. God, speak to your people right now. Speak to your people, God, right now. Come on, if I did an altar call, this, it would be the whole church. So we're just going to avoid that. You just stay where you are and just ask God to show you every area right now. Come on, Jesus. Open it up.